Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Great Lakes Golf Podcast, Episode 9, alongside Hunter Pulaski. I am Peter Garber. We are presented by Reed Furniture in downtown Petoskey. Whatever your furniture need, it's Reed indeed. In today's episode, can't wait to preview the PGA Championship at the Ocean Course at Kiowa Island Golf Resort. Teeing up on Thursday, we also recap the Byron Nelson, talk a little bit about the developing story with the NCAA Women's Golf Regional and Barstool Sports. Review Lawsonia Golf Links in Green Lake, Wisconsin. Of course, we talk a little local golf and catch you up on what's going on with the Michigan players on the tours. Let's go. All right, Great Lakes Golf Podcast, Episode 9. Another big week in the world of golf here with the PGA Championship happening this weekend, and we obviously have a lot to talk about. It finally feels like golf season, I would say. I'm really excited. I did not play over the weekend, but I am going to play a golf course here in Chicago on Saturday called the Glen Club, which is a public-private course north side of chicago maybe a 20 30 minutes drive from the north side of the city um where is of note and i mentioned it here because i'll be playing it the saturday before the corn ferry is there so i'm gonna play it now i expect it to be in great shape and that they're gonna have made it as as difficult as they can for these guys it is you can make a lot of birdies on this golf course but It's an interesting Parkland style golf course with kind of some, a good mix of holes and good greens. And, um, you know, I'll be excited to be out there and play it as those guys are getting ready to come into town and, and play it right after we get off of it. So I'm excited about that. I know you played golf this weekend too. Yeah. I played a ton of golf this weekend. I'm playing way way more golf than i deserve right now i'm gonna have to probably tone it back here at some point in the in the near future i played on saturday we played uh 27 holes on saturday and as i told you over the weekend i have never been closer i i've played putter roulette my entire life pretty good at playing putter roulette i mean i usually about a rotation of four or five of them that it, it continuously goes through throughout the summer and i finally a year ago was like i'm sticking with this scotty this is the one that's gonna we're going to, we're going to, we are going to work on it. We're going to figure it out together. And I think maybe this weekend we had a moment where we need to go our separate ways for a little bit. I just have no, I, I have so little confidence. I, Saturday we played. Get rid of that thing. I, I've had that thing since I was a sophomore in high school. Put it in the garage, Hunter. Sophomore I high school. I watch you putt with that. And it's, it. look, I don't mean to be. When it's broken, it's broken, dude. That is not working. You need a new approach. To hear that you have four or five other other putters in rotation, I've only ever witnessed you putt with that one putter. So obviously when you have to play a tournament round, you keep going back to it. Yeah, no, and that's the one I have the most feel with. Um, so I've tried, it's a blade putter, and I've tried mallet putters. I just, I cannot, I do not I say, have the feel. Something, maybe you should try something with less feel. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but uh, <laughs> end of the day, end of the day, I hit 15 greens in 18 holes on Saturday. Oh, and shot, and shot 74, Peter. It was a 74. No. It was so sad. And they weren't, and I wasn't, I mean, it's Bayview. You can't, if you hit a green, you're going to have a 30 footer. You can't have I anything. Never hit 15 greens you can't, around a golf in my whole life. You can't have anything else. So it wasn't like I was hitting it on the opposite side of the green and moseying it up there and 
And Did you cross hand or regular? <laughs> depending on the hole. <laughs> By the back nine, uh, if I was inside of like six feet, I was I was definitely trying cross hand. You know what we need to start? This would be great for our podcast. We need to start, you know, those little like they kind of look like mailbox, like schoolhouses or whatever. And you see them around town and they're full of books. Yeah. yeah. You can just take on your honor. And yes. then you like, you're supposed to put one of your own books in there for somebody else to read, like a book exchange. We need that for putters. <laughs> I, I, because I, uh, I am I in that, desperate yeah. need of a new putter. And, you know, some people would tell me that I am more careful with money than others perhaps so i'm not <laughs> eager to go out and buy myself a new scotty camera but if there were somebody like oh i don't know a hunter pulaski somewhere around town who i knew had just hit 15 greens and shot two over maybe he's looking to unload a scotty that's not doing him right that i could pick up and, and slide into my bag and see if it makes an impact on i'm in the same situation you're in because during quarantine, I grabbed that blade Akushnet thing that everyone like when I went to Whistling, the caddy pulled it out and he was like, did you grab this at Pirate's Cove? Like everyone just thinks it's a joke or something. But I had grooved a cross-handed descending short pop stroke in COVID quarantine, just putting on my carpet. And I got to where it was really repeatable and I could really use it. And then I stopped practicing it. And now I go out on the golf course and I do feel like I'm using a Pirate's Cove putter because I can't get the ball online to save my life. And yet I have not accumulated enough putters over the years to just have four in my garage that I can go to. I just, I can't believe you're resisting that. Well, I mean, there's, there's a reason for it. They're not very good. I mean, I don't, I don't like them very much. I mean, it's, they're not like it's, it's not like it's one A, one A, one B, one C, one D, one E. It's, it's like one A when the Scotty right now, in my eyes, it's one A, but anybody else. Well, the mailboxes, like, it is. If they saw it's me not, putt, it wouldn't be one I, one A. Uh, it's obvious that we need the mailboxes. That's the only reasonable solution here. Yeah, if anything comes from this podcast, I hope it's that. If anything, anything comes out of this, it's the fact that you mean this episode or the entire the, the entirety of the podcast <laughs> uh and then one more one more note for for local golf i am playing um one of my sneaky favorite courses in the area We're playing belvedere on sunday uh of, of this week in a it's a scramble and it's uh for i think it's for the charlotte high school team and it's something i've never done before it's it's called a you, you pick nine holes that you play from the tips and then nine holes you play from what they're calling the light, the light blues. So I assume it's a forward tease. Um, so a little bit of strategy involved with, with how you go about picking what holes you, you play from the tips and, and Belvedere can, I mean, it's held amateurs, so it can get stretched out pretty far. Pretty. What quickly. kind of handicaps are you guys working with here in your scramble group? Uh, it's going to be, it's myself, uh, Norm, who's a, probably a three or four, uh, Ryan, who's a 10 ish. And I'm not sure what Scott is. Maybe kind of. I I've never played with them. Never really even heard. I I kind of imagine middle teens, maybe something like that. But I could be totally off. Got a couple. You got a couple longer hitters. 
Oh yeah, Ryan's Ryan the, best, has a, the best scramble player you're ever gonna find. I was gonna say he's like the perfect guy. I would love to have him on my team at Belvedere. Yeah, because he can hit it all over the place, but he can also make some. You're gonna some need putts some when necessary. Kicking and putting, or I, I did I tell? I think I texted you because they all that construction in Charlevoix. I think this was two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. They the detour takes you by Belvedere and like he, I never like why would I take that road right so I hadn't been by there since I played there in high school which I will forever remember for Joe Staco bless his heart refusing to tap in and finish out his nine because he was gonna post a 46 I believe it was it <laughs> might have been a 45 sorry Joe if I did you dirty you didn't play good and instead of tapping it in he walked up to the cup and picked the ball up off the lip of the hole for a DQ. <laughs> but that course, that course can get you, dude. Like, it, I mean, it can make you mad. Oh, yeah. Like, he, yeah. yeah. There's, but it's also to the point of the detour and driving by. I just, I had forgotten just how pure it is. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it looks amazing from the road. Yeah, I think it's underplayed. I think it's underplayed. I think it's under talked about. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, first time, first time over there this year, might've played a couple times last year, but always, always enjoy going there. So that'll be fun. All right. Nice. So we're just picking up right from the local golf and going into the Michigan golf. Do you want to give us an update on Alex Scott, who was the guy who, um, Monday into the corn Ferry? Yeah. He, uh, he missed the cut by only missed it by two. I think he shot even the the winning score ended up being high teens. I think. Something like that. He was um, he was right there around even. So we'll see what uh, see if hopefully he can build off of this. I mean, it's not like he was he was way outside of of um, the level of competition you need to be at. So it's really hard. I think it probably just goes without saying. But when you Monday in, and like I, I've you know I know I've talked to people who have done that, and and it's hard to get then get ready. To play that week, that it, the in the uh, winning of a Monday or getting through a Monday, it feels like you just want to turn. I mean, like it, it is a big. You expend a lot of energy. It's a big deal. Then all of a sudden, you have a tea time on Thursday, and so you have to go get ready. It, it's I know occasionally we see. I think Corey Connors was the most recent, and that was on the PGA side to Monday in, and then win the golf tournament. Some guys do really well, but. It needs to be said that the getting through the Monday is a big, is a large accomplishment in itself, and hopefully he's taking mostly positives from that week. Seems like that golf course wasn't that easy because even though Grayson was incredible, and congrats to Grayson, I played with him. He's an awesome player, and uh, it was only a matter of time before he picked up a a win in this compounded season or extended season or whatever you want to call it. But I was really happy for him, but that course wasn't that easy because the scoring was pretty disparate. So for him to hang around and be close uh, is good. Speaking of that event, Joey Garber was in the field tied for 43rd. He actually moved up a spot in the standings. He's at 64th. And that tour is now on their way up to Massachusetts to play in something called the Advent Health Championship. I could be wrong, but I think this is a new venue uh, for Corn Ferry. I looked at some of the photos last night, and it does look like an old-style, narrow, uh, shorter country club layout, like a 
you know, some of the golf that we're used to playing up north. So maybe that can be a good fit for uh, for Joey. Yeah. And then on the PGA side, Brem played well, but um, just didn't quite make enough birdies on Friday. Missed the cut at four under. Crazy to see a six under cut in a PGA event. That's and Brian Stewart had another just Brian Stewart week. The dude is just solid. He tied for 39th. Um, and he's at... I think he said one twelfth in the standings or something like that. So as long as he keeps uh, playing okay, he should be fine in that inside that top one twenty five. I'm sure he'd rather be a little higher in the standings, but still, um, you know, playing some decent golf. Definitely. That's all I have on that side. Of you as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, nothing. Uh, nothing else from the local. Okay, so before we get into the PGA Championship, which is going to be awesome to talk about, and obviously we're playing on one of the best golf courses in the United States um, this week as the Pete Dye Tour continues. And it's kind of fun. It's going to be fun, I think, to watch this, having just played Whistling Straits, even though they're not the same course. They will bear a lot of resemblance to each other. This course is a lot harder, but... um, Obviously, it's a similar piece of property, and it's built by the same person with the same goal in mind to host championships. So they're not wholly dissimilar. But we need to review Lawsonia because our Wisconsin golf trip after we played Whistling, you know, had, we went the next day and played this golf course. And we're talking about golf week's twenty fourth top, you know, twenty four on the top one hundred best you can play. Number four in Wisconsin, which I've seen it higher in the Wisconsin ratings, as high as number two. Golf Week has it 62 of their top 200 classic courses. Golf Digest, number 58 on America's 100 Greatest Public Courses. So, Golf Magazine, number 19 course you can play um, in the U.S. So, what was your, I think people kind of, if you don't know anything about Lawsonia, this is like kind of the middle of Wisconsin, like so- central, southern central Wisconsin. It's by Green Lake. Um, we Airbnb, Airbnb in a town called Princeton. It is in the middle of nowhere, right? Wouldn't you say, Hunter? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, absolutely the middle of nowhere. And you come upon this property that you would think would otherwise be what much of the other property is devoted to up there, which is ag, you know, a lot of dairy farmers. It's kind of a, a flattish piece of property, but with enough sort of rolling to, uh, to be able to be irrigated. Um, so it's just like you come upon this flattish valley looking piece of land and instead of a dairy farm or maybe a cornfield there's 18 holes of golf that basically when you get on anything resembling a kind of a quote-unquote high point on the golf course which there aren't really because there's not a lot of elevation change you can see the whole thing like when you get to 12T or whatever over there in the corner of the property, you can see the whole back nine. So I visually very uncommon. You, yeah. you, you see the whole golf course basically from everywhere on the golf course. Um, so I was just saying to Hunter before we started the recording, I'm looking at their, some of these aerial photos and stuff from Lawsonia, and it's just stunning 
like how beautiful the contouring and the bunkering it's just pure lengths but the only way you'd ever get a decent photo on this property is being up in the air because when you're down on the level like the photos that i took I was thinking the same thing. I sent them to my family and they're like, are you playing like a Muni? And I'm like, no, this is like one of the greatest golf courses. You know, this is the maybe the truest links I've ever played. I think it is. I can't really compare it to anything else I've ever played. Maybe a little bit of Kingsley Club, but not really. Um, what were your, what was your take on that golf course? I, so that, so um, it was, it was the day after whistling. So we had, we had just, Played whistling and got done at eight thirty the night before. Drove two hours into the middle of Wisconsin and then played early the next morning. So I think we were all. I was at least I was like kind of just tired. I guess would be the best word. But that course, like the second you saw it, and the second you got out there and you got to the the first green, started playing some holes. It was sweet, and it was only seventy five or eighty dollars, ninety dollars. So yeah. for the for the price and the um, the conditions of the greens, I thought it was absolutely spectacular. And your to your point about nothing to compare it to, I have nothing to compare it to. I don't even like, I don't even know where to where to start with it. Just because of the fact that you could see if you were looking at any hole in the back, if you were any hole in the back nine, you could see any other hole in the back nine. But they still were their own hole. It was, I mean, it was, it was pretty spectacular. And I, I'm a very true believer that you have to, I think about, I look at the greens first and then I go back from there. If the greens are good, it's going to be very hard for that course to, to have a bad rating in my, in, in Hunter's brain. So this like is passed a lot of, a lot of tests because the greens were sweet. They were for being, what was the date? May 7th, 8th? Yeah. Something like that. I mean, Unbelievable. Holy moly. Um, Ted, we watched, we had just played Whistling. We're on the second green, and, and God bless them, but Whistling did a good job getting their greens as ready as they could. They'd been open for two weeks, and they were bumpy. And then we go to Lawsonia, and we're on the second green, and Tad's down there on the front of the green. And these greens are, complexes are expansive. They are huge. Mm-hmm. I didn't pull out my measuring tape, but sometimes you get on there and you think it's a hundred feet front to back and a hundred feet side to side. So mm-hmm. I'm talking larger green complexes than probably I've ever played. And, and for the most part kind of squared off to where they're they're The corners are, you know, there's, there's not like little sections, right? Mm-hmm. They're just big and round or big and square. Tad's on the front of the second green He's got to be putting from outside of 90 feet from just off the green. That ball never bounced. No. It never bounced the whole way to the hole. It was unbelievable. We all just sort of like, my jaw almost hit the floor. And I was just like, whoa, are these greens good and fast for May 8th. So Hunter's right. You're going to be hard-pressed to find up. I think he. I think by the time all was said and done, we wrote in carts, I think it was 90 bucks. You're not going to find, I have not found a better $90 round anywhere in the Midwest. Oh, I don't, I don't think it exists. I really don't think it exists. And not, we, we kind of, we try and jump the gun a little bit. I do have to talk about the range. 
the range the range was one of the was it was one of the the more comical things I've ever seen. If you if you had never seen the golf course and never looked it up online, seen all these aerial photos that Peter is talking about, and you had just you paid your money, you paid your ninety bucks, and you walk out to the range, you go like, "Holy moly, what am I doing out here?" You said ninety bucks because you can't. the The range is. Imagine a, a, a teen ground and then there is a hill right in front of the teen ground that's about 35 feet high. So you can't actually see a single golf ball land in the range. And the kicker is the range is running directly parallel with the first hole, but it's angled in a way. So if you were just hit, if you just hit straight balls in the range, you're hitting it right into one fairway. <laughs> and, and you ha- and nobody, obviously being from not being from the area, there was no signs or anything saying like maybe favor the left side on this on this range because if you don't you might kill somebody on one and they didn't mention that so that fairway was, was literally you drive up the first fairway after you hit your tee shot just which is littered, like right and littered it's just with golf balls. Range balls i mean <laughs> hundreds so of range balls it's the best 90 dollar round in the midwest maybe it's the worst driving range in the midwest maybe I mean, at least they cut the grass on the teeing ground, but like otherwise, it was so bad it was comical. So I was. Like, I almost wish they would charge more so that they could fix that, because it's hard to play a hard golf course when you can't warm up, <laughs> and you can warm up in the sense of like loosening yourself up and hitting the ball, but you can't warm up in the sense of finding a ball flight or knowing how your swing is going to react that day or whatever. Like you're literally hitting up a sheer cliff into, you know, you never ever see a ball land unless you hit it 20 feet in front of you. The hill is like right there. So, yeah. And then you get out on the golf course and there's some kind of blind, there's some blind shots, tee shots on the front in particular for sure, but they do a good job of building some, uh, there's some mounding and some stuff built into the some features built into the golf course that help you line up and know where to play. It's a good mix of short and long holes. There is a pretty deep valley on the front nine that I thought they used really well, particularly on um, that stretch along the road there where you play a par five and a par four back to back after the long par three. I think that's full bulls. Six, I believe. Six, and then seven's that par three. Um, yes. Back yes. in the woods, it looks a little bit out of place. Yeah, 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 yeah. So five and six, I think those are probably two of my favorite holes out there. I thought those were really, really good. Um, but I would say, like, if you want, if you're like, I know, like, Green Lake, how are you going to get to Green Lake or whatever? But if you're going to go on a golf trip to Wisconsin and you're looking at playing – whistling or uh the other colder properties or you're looking at sand valley you're thinking about some of these courses in wisconsin do not leave this off it has it's much more stripped down it doesn't have the facilities you're not going to stay in there in a, a lodging any lodging owned by the golf course or anything it's not like that but the golf course is something that is almost for us in the midwest like if you're never going to go overseas and play lynx golf and like Bandon might be a, and Chambers Bay or like a reach for you. This isn't coastal or seaside, but
but it is links. It is firm, fast. The greens are totally different from when you're what you're used to. They're all on stilts. So there are 30, 20, and 30 foot drop-offs from the surface of the green to where you will be chipping from if you miss the green in that area. Like I highly recommend playing this golf course and just don't go try to sh shoot your career round. Kind of like the first time you play whistling. Try to get into a frame of mind where you can enjoy the golf course regardless of how you play. I was fighting my swing too. I was tired. Whistling is a long walk. Hard to play a golf course this difficult the day after you play uh, whistling. But this is a golf course that I think is a unique experience just golf-wise. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and it couldn't have been more different than whistling in the sense that you at whistling you had to hit you had to hit the ball good off the tee at la sonia you could hit the ball anywhere for the most part especially this time of year when the um fescue had, the, the grown fescue up. had not grown up so really playing out of the fescue was was maybe like a quarter shot penalty but nothing nothing really crazy um so from in that way it was it was very interesting playing whistling on friday where you had to be pinpoint accuracy off the tee. And then here, you really didn't have to be accurate off the tee. But like Peter said, if you missed greens out here, you could not see the bottom of a flag stick on a single green if you were within, I would say, 30, 30 yards of the hole around the greens because everything was at least 20 feet above you. Uh, yeah, there's a couple the There's a couple out there that are exceptions. Like number two is kind of a benign green, but mm -hmm. I mean... Yep. It really is. They're trying to make, they're trying to put a premium on your approach game into the green. And they're saying, here's a giant green. It's firm and fast, and your ball is going to bounce when it hits the green. But it's huge. You should be able to hit it. And if you don't hit it, we are going to punish you, whether it's in sand or hay or just by the nature of being so far below the level of the green that it's visually very different. Everybody knows how hard it is to chip when you can't see the spot you're trying to land it in. So that's how most of us chip visually. Now all of a sudden you're hitting into, you know, you're just hitting into a wall of grass and you're hoping that you have the right touch on it. So really, uh, Really cool. I was I was really glad. I know there's other Sand Valley and Aaron Hills. I can't wait to get out there and play those two tracks. But I was really happy to be able to play La Sonia. I thought that was a really cool track. Yeah, and I, we didn't mention it, but this is this is really a 36 hole facility. Uh, we played the Lynx, which is obviously uh, a true Lynx, but they also have, which we were able to see a couple holes from the back nine, uh, a course called the Woodlands, um, which is going to be uh, looks like it kind of goes around uh, Green Lake which is uh, a lake right on property there. And this course looked a lot more like Michigan golf, uh, tree-lined fairways, maybe a little bit of elevation change. So I, mean, I would, we were, we were within five, 10 minutes of the course. You could stay in, you could stay and play a course, stay in Princeton, play another course. And keeping in mind, I'm not sure if this is a, a full on all the time thing, but very few courses do this, but you can just, you can pay 150 bucks and play as much golf as you want for the day. And I wonder if that stops in the summertime, but that's a crazy deal. Like if you got it's there at 6.30 in the morning and you just went 
you just keep and with two courses to play you could easily play uh you could try to play 54 holes in a day yeah subject to availability obviously but i mean the, the way that it works is you go in and you say i want to take advantage of the play all day and he starts looking for tea times in the afternoon and basically he's going to say okay you're teeing off at 10 you guys are going to be coming off at about 215 i have a 240 yeah. and boom you're like okay i'll do the 150 instead of the 90 and then you can just keep playing so this course is built around value and i i agree with hunter like if you're looking for a, a sort of a value angle to go play wisconsin golf go to green lake stay in green lake play la sonia and then do your day you want to go play Aaron hills or sand valley or whatever don't stay there if you don't want to just stay in a cheaper Airbnb in a smaller town or whatever, and then you can make the day trip over to the bigger courses and stay over by La Sonia. It is kind of a central location in that sense. So um, thanks to everybody there they, that hosted us. It was We had a great – we really enjoyed it. And despite none of us playing worth a damn on that golf course. No, it was hard, and that, that's what we just – I thought Mark was going to quit. I mean, I think he might have actually quit on 16. <laughs> he said, I am done. I think he might have hit more shots after that, but he quit mentally. He said, I'm done. Uh, yeah, who of us hasn't done that before? <laughs> it was, I mean, it was, we really, I mean, we didn't exactly do ourselves any favor going to whistling on Friday afternoon and then going to this course on Saturday morning with a course rating of 74, 68, 6,900 yards. And if you missed the green, you weren't going to get up and down. So like it was, it was definitely, I mean, we, we, we got our money's worth in those two days. Absolutely got our money's worth. That being said, I do, I do think it rewards good golf. I could easily see one of us going out there and shooting something around par, maybe even better if you can survive some of those really hard holes, like 10, which is basically like a five wood or a three, um, Oh, I, I definitely I could see that if we had a couple. It's really more good. Like if you're playing, what if your ball striking is good, you're gonna hit a lot. You're gonna be. You're gonna feel like Connor. You're gonna hit 14, 15 greens or whatever because the greens are huge, yeah, huge. And you do have some short clubs. Um, it's not terribly, terribly long. Uh, but anyway, let's. You wanted to touch on real quick the fact that uh, which I've obviously seen on Twitter and went from went from agony to a bit of uh you know really what's becoming i think a really cool story uh do you want to touch on that yeah so um this this past weekend um i guess this past week rather i think it was it was sometime midweek uh in baton rouge the the division one uh women's regional was canceled without a single shot hit over the three-day stretch and and they just sent the the top six seeded teams and the top three individuals not on a seeded team uh, to the national championship, and the way that the and I, I don't know who to who to put blame on. I'm not sure if it's the NCAA or the the SEC or whoever was running that specific regional, but the way that the announcement the way the announcement was was said, the course is playable, but not to a championship level playable. You can't say that. Those, you can't you can't say playable. It is playable, but it's not playable at championship level. You're not playing golf if that's that was the option they picked. So um, obviously the girls were uh, heartbroken. I mean, I would be. I can't imagine being a senior and being the the seventh seeded team and 
being sent home just because um, they weren't able to they weren't able to figure it out. And it sounds like even on the um, in the uh, in behind the scenes, there was not much being done to to make the golf course championship level playable from a maintenance standpoint. There was you had girls out. I saw videos of girls out there walking the course where it looked like it was more than playable. Um, so barstool sports say, and I've, I've been a, a, a big supporter of barstool for years. I know they've had some, some, uh, PR issues in the past, but this is a really cool thing that they've done. Uh, they have a podcast, uh, for play their golf podcast. And one of their guys, uh, along with the event team is putting together a 36 hole championship, uh, in Arizona on this Friday. Thursday and Friday, I believe, maybe Friday, Saturday. So for all the teams that were eliminated via uh, this weather, uh, as well as the individuals. So it looks like it's going to be about 50 or 60 girls. Uh, everything is paid for. It's all inclusive. The uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the course right now, but the course is covering all greens fees, all golf, golf fees. So these, these girls are coming uh, free of charge. Sounds like it's all cleared with the NCAA, so it'll be awesome to see these girls be able to finish their career, maybe on not quite a sour note. So is it going to be an NCAA-sanctioned event, or is it just something that Barstool is doing to give these girls a chance to play one more time? It, that that seems like a big gray area right now because they have they have worked with compliance offices and the NCAA to make sure that there's there are no violations happening and it seems like as of yesterday Monday they the NCAA is allowing it to be a team sanctioned event so I'm not sure if it's like a if it's an NCAA sanctioned event but it is there will be a individual champion crowned on Saturday afternoon and there will be a team champion crowned on Saturday afternoon. Does it have bearing on what happens then in the, in the finals? I know this is a regional in, the, in terms of the NCAA finals for this year or what the decisions that they made at this particular regional site in terms of who advances and who doesn't, like you talked about earlier, those decisions all stand. Yep. That's all final. Uh, the, the girls are actually, they start national championship starts maybe tomorrow. Yeah, okay. Also, also in Arizona. Um, at, well, it's just a damn shame. No, yeah, it's 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 tough. Um, and like I, like I was saying, I mean this this golf this game of golf was not meant to be played in in eighty degrees. Obviously, it's nice to be played in eighty degrees, and but where the golf where the game originated, it was not eighty degrees and sunny every day and and no wind. So to to see it go down like this and to not even hit a single shot, um. I'd be one pissed off puppy if I was one of those players. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's nice to see them kind of save the day a little bit as much as they can. Regardless of how you feel about Barstool, it's, uh, you have to, you have to applaud this move. I mean, it's like they did what the rest of us probably wished we could have done for these girls. Yeah. It's awesome um, to see. I mean, just so somebody that has, has followed them to have the resources they have to, to be able to, to do something like this is it's cool. All right, so while that was going on, some of us diehards were continuing to watch the AT&T Pirate Nelson at uh, TBC Craig Ranch, which turned out to be exactly what we said it was going to be in terms of yielding tons and tons of birdies and really low scoring. 
I told you guys, Sam Burns is good. So he follows up his win with a second cage. Lee comes out on top, played great on Sunday, and weathered the delay, if you will, which sort of dragged on for a while and took away the the early early start, followed by a weather delay, delayed TV broadcasts. Just bad for golf all the way around. So that's unfortunate for AT&T, for the Byron Nelson, for TPC Craig Ranch. Um but that was just what we said it was going to be, which is sort of a low-grade event in terms of how it fits in with the rest of the summer calendar. And it makes sense that it's the week before the PGA. But occasionally, the dude's been in great form. You know, he deserved to win just four days of finale. To, to get to minus 25, doesn't matter who you are. You're playing really, really well. So... Uh, congrats to him, and I. You sort of knew this is not the kind of tournament that you can front run and keep making enough birdies. So you almost felt like for sure somebody was going to come back on Sam on Sunday, and he just wouldn't be able to sustain the pace. But um, I don't know that a lot of people thought that person would be Cage Lee. So happy for Cage Lee. Obviously happy for Sam to continue his hot form to get a second place. Um, big for the bank account and for the standings. And, and I really think we will continue to see big, big, big things from Sam Burns down the road and good for Cage Lee to get his two, two years. And, uh, uh, you know, the guy can, the guy can really play well when he's in good form and he's been riding good form. So, yeah, I mean, that's what do you think about the, what did you think about the venue and how much did you watch and generally about a golf tournament that requires you to shoot 2,500 and win? Um, to to your, uh, the last point, I'm, I'm not a fan of, I'm not a fan of 25 under it's, it's Is that just because you can't shoot 25 under hunter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't. Yeah. Is that yeah. why we hate it? You give me, you give me, but is that why we hit, we watch like that. We're going to watch the PGA. And we're going to be like, yes. That guy just shot eighty two. I don't. I don't. It's just because we shoot eighty two. <laughs> I don't. It I don't mean know it's if better that's, to watch. I don't know if that's necessarily playing a large. I'd rather see. I'd rather see pots made for. I feel like there. It's more exciting to watch really, really crucial, important par putts like that ten footer that saves your round rather than. It's like, well, he didn't make birdie putts are crucial too. They, I mean, they certainly are. I, I, um, I would just rather see the players have to execute more difficult shots. Yeah, well said. That that's when the really golf well course said. is easy, it's kind of boring because there's no real adversity. The adversity is just how many birdies the other players are making. Um, there is something about these birdie fests that just don't sit right with us as viewers of the game. I just think it's interesting to bring up the idea that maybe that has more to do with us than it does with them or the golf course or anything, because we don't like knowing that when the golf course is defenseless, tour pros will mutilate it. We say that, Peter, but I I swear to goodness gracious, I think we could have went out there and broke 80 like 
See now you're just making you're just making my point, Hunter. <laughs> there were there were uh, I looked it up. Uh, fifth, seventeen guys on Friday and Saturday that shot over par. Seven. Well, let's publicly shame them right now by name. <laughs> yeah, we should. We should have to name every single one of them. Uh, <laughs> if you if you shot, you went out there and played decent. You shot even par. You think, oh, okay, that's not great. Not bad, though. You were in 130th place on Friday afternoon. Do you know who one of those players was? Because <laughs> it was a pick that I gave out on this very podcast last week, and his name is Bo Hostler. I mean, cost me just... Oh, yeah. yeah. He was the difference between a pot. We said, we were both, I think we were both light. No, like, I had very light. Ben Mar- I hit the Ben Martin thing, which it was all I hit, I think. And I lost... I had Gooch in an outright who just didn't play. He made the cut, but he was not a factor. And uh, Hostler as an outright. I think those are the only picks I gave out. So we were really light. I did play Cage Lee in DraftKings. So I was. I did on Sunday afternoon. I was like, did I? Do I have an out? Like I was really. Maybe I have an outright <laughs> ticket. That's when you know you bet too much. Well, that's- so I had to go through my three apps. And my open bets to see if maybe I did have a cage, Lee, and I should be cheering harder, but I did not. Well, it's tough too when you when you have you go back and forth from Michigan too, so you never you might have placed the bet out of out of state, and then and then you're in Chicago, and you you just ha- you have no idea. Um, the the one well, speaking fo- of having too many bets and having it be difficult to keep track of, should we move on to the PGA? Yeah, let's do it. See you, Byron Nelson. Yeah, tough. Uh, the one final thing I will say, tough for them with that, that weather on Sunday. I mean, I can't imagine many people are out, out there dying to watch the Byron Nelson given, this the, is, given this the leaderboard. But, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't watch the I – I was watching on the PGA Tour app. And that was what I had to do because there was nowhere else to watch it. I feel bad for this this week, and it's just think this is the first I – mean, this we just came here. Because Trinity Forest was a failure by the tour standards. Yeah. And then we move it over here and we get this. Like the tour has got to be just like, this is like this week, this Byron Nelson is becoming that restaurant in your hometown that never, you know, changes hands like every two years or whatever because <laughs> nobody can make it work. We're getting dangerously close to that situation here with this tournament. So I hope they can. I don't know if Craig, I don't know if Craig Ranch is the answer, dude. I don't know. It's abs- it's absolutely not the answer. Texas has good golf. Unless I'm just unless I've been lied to my entire life, I was under the impression that there was very good golf in Texas. So the fact that these are our options, we have to have better. There has to be. Well, better. I think to, yeah. I mean, we shouldn't really like bash. I think Trinity Forest is probably a cool course. I just don't know that it's a tour venue and it can't accommodate spectators. So Craig Ranch didn't seem a whole lot better. It's okay to shoot. I don't know that golf course. There wasn't a whole lot to it. Didn't seem like it. But a golf course that does have a lot to it is uh, the Ocean Course of Kiowa. So it's finally here. We are teeing up the PGA Championship 2021 in two short days. What is the Ocean Course? Well, you should go. I can't describe it in all its wonder. The nine things that the PGA Tour.com put out this week 
you should read it. It's really cool. What stands out about this golf course is it has the most, most ocean, most, quote, seaside holes in the Northern Hemisphere, end quote. Uh, so he built it in a figure eight so that you're going out along the water. Or maybe that's the opposite. You're going out a lot. But anyway, you're playing by virtue of the figure eight, which is so similar to whistling and that there's nine over here and nine over here. Um, you're playing along the seaside all the time. So what does that mean from a golfing perspective? It doesn't mean you're going to like hit it in, in into the Atlantic. It means that it's windy. It is windy. I mean, you're it's coming right off the water. It's coming right at you. And uh, it's built for the wind to be a factor. What else is notable about this golf course? It is so long. Longest, 78, longest course 70. history of the major history of the major championships. Longest course? Mm-hmm. 7876, par 72. So like, and it's narrow, narrow off the tee. And it's worse than whistling in terms of how penal it is when you get off the fairway. Mm-hmm. So like it's got that 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 seaside grass, that really thick stuff along with all the bunkering, which is not quite as prominent at the ocean course as it is at whistling, but it's kind of similar. So you know the golf course basically is as hard, I think, as we're gonna get for this particular championship. This is probably going to play, you know, if it's if it's windy, which forecasts had the wind being kind of down, this will look kind of like a U.S. I think they kind of want it to look like a U.S. Open uh, more than a PGA, and they would like for the winning score to be, I think Rory shot 12 or 13. I think they want to keep it and won by eight. So obviously the rest of the field was kept, you know, held in check but i think they would prefer to have a winning score either in single digits or barely into double digits um however i don't think they're gonna get a lot of help from the wind it looks like the weather there is going to be beautiful it's going to be mild it's going to be warm and it's not going to be that windy so we might see it's not outside the realm of possibility that we could get into the teen mid teens here for a winning score this week of 14, 15, um, long, narrow, difficult. Everyone is going to miss greens. You have to be able to scramble. So in terms of who, if you watch the highlights from Rorians, like he didn't even hit that many greens on in his Sunday round where he stretched his lead and, you know, just, basically took a back nine victory lap. He was doing a lot of that with his chipping and putting. Now, granted, you have to keep it in play off the tee. And if you're long, it's going to be a huge advantage. But you must be straight. You can't bomb and gouge. So total driving is a little more what you're looking at here. It's why a guy like Keegan would do so well. And it's why I love Abraham answer this week. Um because he's so straight and so consistent and good with his longer clubs. Not a great chipper and putter, but I don't know. We'll see how this play, how that plays itself out. It's also 
why I've talked about Patrick Reed a lot this week. If it's in the six to eight under, if the wind picks up or whatever, that's a, a grinder, a guy who can keep it around par, who can fight for good scores, who's not going to make a lot of doubles. Um, so I think from a betting perspective, you kind of have to play a couple of guys in case it gets up there in the 15s, and then you play a couple of guys if you think it's going to be tougher and reward more of the scrambler, keep it in play, par is a good score uh, type of routine. But uh, generally speaking, you better be playing guys who are in good form. We have limited course history here. Like you just try to find guys who you know are in good form and, and you think might be a fit here rather than digging for the history from the last you know, from whenever that was that Rory won in 2012. I just don't know how much you're going to gain from doing that. I think what's the, your what's your outlook and your your kind of strategy here this week? Yeah. So just uh, to what you your point about the the length of the golf course, it is the the longest venue in the, the history of major championships. There's three par threes over 205 yards. There's six par fours over 480 yards, and there are f- uh, three par fives over 575 yards. So it is, uh, it is a, a somewhat long golf course, you could say. Um, and, the, and the figure eight thing, those last, you turn, you made that last round turn to come back to the clubhouse and that last swoop of your eight, that's into the prevailing wind. We're five holes in a row, which are supposed to be the five hardest holes on a golf course. So, like, it's going to test you. You will see guys who are one, two, under or whatever, on their round, three under, four under maybe, on the, in the early part of the week, who then turn that figure eight and they go tee off on 14 and 15 and they do not shoot under par because they can't get through the final stretch of the golf course. So it, it tests you all the way to your last shot. Similar to whistling, when you play there, they're like, you guys better get ready because once we turn and we start going back to the clubhouse, the golf course gets really hard. And it's the same way here. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, <clears throat> you mentioned not being able to take much from 2012, uh, just given the fact that it was nine years ago now. Um, the only thing that I think may be worth mentioning is if you look at the number of Euro- European players that are on that leaderboard, not necessarily the names of those players, but just the fact of, of what kind of style of golf they are accustomed to playing, also Obviously, they play a lot of windy golf, correlates to what we're going to potentially see over here. On top of that, um, the kind of grass they play on is, uh, I'm trying to find the name of it right now. Pass Palm. Pass Palm. So there's only a couple, uh, the Mayakoba and a few other uh, seaside courses are the only courses that use this type of grass. It's going to play a little bit slower than what you'd see typically in Lynx style. And then also the... Because of the wind uh, and not not wanting the ball to oscillate on the greens, they don't get the greens much faster than it sounds like a, maybe an 11. So I don't know if that necessarily keep that in mind when looking at betting because that might favor the European player that's going to be playing on consistently, whether it be on the European tour or growing up on playing slower greens, seaside courses, windy courses. I say all this. I don't know how many European tour players I have on my car, on my tickets this week, but I, I do think that is important to keep in mind because if you look at that 2012 leaderboard, it is, I mean, there's several, the top, uh, it looks like 
the five out of the top six finishers of 2012 were from Europe. Um, so something to keep in mind. I might throw Aussies into that bin too, because they're typically good win players. And we've got a couple in the field this week that I'm guessing we're probably going to touch on because they seem to set up well here. And that's Mark Leishman and Cam Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad he brought up the past Palum. If you look at Rory's comments about this golf course, he loves this golf course. I mean, and he's now the betting favorite after the win at Quail Hollow, which is crazy to think about. It's like all it takes is one week, and all of a sudden he's down to 10 from 24 or 18 or 20, whatever. When people are like, oh, he's in his games in poor form, whatever. He did not hit that many fairways at Quail Hollow, which is a concern here. I'm not going to really back Rory at that number, but when what's interesting is to hear him talk about this golf course. And what his take on past Palom is it's sticky. Sticky was the word that he used that, that stuck out to him. That's what keeps the greens a little slower, keeps the ball from rolling out, keeps it from blowing around in the wind. But what else does that do? If you're a hit it flush and good like Rory, and it shows you the difference between maybe his take on this golf course versus what like a Kevin Kisner or a Brian Gay might say about this golf course is that I can get the ball to stop even with my long irons because the greens are sticky. So, like, guys like that would say that, but I don't think everybody in the field is going to say that. And then as that pertains to chipping, I do think it favors, like, I think the good chippers love pass Palom, and particularly guys who like to play lofted shots around the green because you can spin it. If the greens are sticky, you feel like you can hit something, you know, neat up there where you can fly it over some of the contouring and get the ball to stop. Uh, around the hole so that's another reason why the scores might get into the teens or whatever if indeed those greens are in the 10 11 range and they're not too penal you're not seeing as many three putts and things like that that'll keep the doubles and triples off the card and it'll have more to do with those numbers will come more to do with have more to do with crooked tee shots than struggling around the greens Mm -hmm. so I think you don't want to play somebody who's a great scrambler. I think you really want to look at good ball strikers and then see if maybe you can find some guys among those who might have an edge with the scrambling or a little bit better chipping uh, than some others. I don't think you just like, yeah, we need scramblers here. No, it's 7,800 par 70. Like you, you have to be hitting the ball really well and then, up from among those groups, some guys will differentiate themselves with their play around the greens. Knowing that, my betting strategy for this tournament, as is the case for all majors, is to bet early. So I have picked up some numbers on guys that I really, really like this week from outrights. Three of those that I think are worth mentioning here. Matt Wallace, I think, is in tremendous form. He is great off the tee. He's good with his longer clubs. He can scramble. He was close at Quail Hollow for backing up a little bit on the weekend. He played well at Hilton Head, which isn't even a great fit for him. Um, I like Matt Wallace, and I got that at either 90 or 100. I can't remember. 
I like that for an outright, and I'm going to back that for a finishing position because you can get even money for him to top 40. So he's among the guys I like the most this week in that range. The other guy that I like a lot in that range is Abraham Answer. You've heard me mention him already. This is exactly the kind of guy that I'm talking about where you're not going to target scramblers, but you might uh, you're going to target ball strikers and think maybe this guy will have an edge around the greens, or maybe he'll just have a hot week with the putter, and that can make the difference. If you're looking for guys who hit a lot of fairways and have pot plus length, meaning above average length, Abraham Answer really slots into this that category. He's as straight as an arrow off the tee. And although he's not a long hitter, he does hit it longer than most. So I think he can do really, really well here. He's never won a PGA Tour event. So predicting, has he? I don't think so. So predicting him to win a PGA, I understand. That's why he's 90. That's why I got him at 90 and why he's still, I think, right now in the 50 range or whatever, despite his great form. But I don't know if I would bite on 50, but I would look at him finishing position, and I love my 90-1 to ticket on him. Um, And then you know I'm betting on Siwoo Kim. I I had had a feeling. Phenomenal driver, great ball striker. He is going to win a major. I still think it's going to be Augusta first. Um because he hits a, he loves to hit it right to left and hits it so hot. Um, but this is exactly the kind of guy who can survive this golf course, and he's a Pete Dye specialist. Loves Pete Dye, and so I think this golf course will suit his eye. I have no idea if he played in 2012 or what his result was. I don't care. He is quite possibly the most underrated player on the PGA Tour, and even though I have not gotten a number that I love. Um, he's plus 150 to top 40. So I love Siwoo. I love Answer. And I love Wallace for outrights and backing for finishing position. I'll start there. How about you? Uh, so you, you mentioned betting early on majors. Uh, it backfired on one of our picks because Sungjae Im we got a 65, at least I, after you, your recommendation, I picked him up at 65 to 1. Uh, looks like about a month ago now. And I could get him for 80 to 1 today if I wanted. So I might as well. I'm not going to rebet it because he's not playing very well. But that is that is one of my outrights that I've had per Peter's recommendation for a month now. And it's just going up. So Yeah, yeah. It doesn't to, always work. Who would have seen that coming, though? I don't know. He was. He He's was. never had sustained poor form. Exactly. It's very, it's very strange. What's I have him also clicked on my screen right here because he's plus one ten to top forty. And I don't. Like, I know he can shoot eighty two once in a while, and there's a lot of trouble. But he does not get into trouble off the tee. So no, he does not hit it very crooked off the tee hardly ever. And he's another guy that has plus length. Like he's a little bit longer than the average player. So. So, I know I just said target form and he's in poor form, but like plus 110 for a top 20, top 25 player in the world still, right? Yeah, 100%. Why is he, pl- why is he plus money to top 40 here? I'm not sure. So it's interesting you, bring, interesting you bring him up. 
So, and typically, uh, if you listen to the podcast, I, I stay away from outrights. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you why this week I have bet a lot of outrights, but I have bet a lot of outrights this week. Because it's fun, honey. It is. Uh, we're going to find out how fun it is come Sunday afternoon. Uh, Billy, I ha- I'm on. Who doesn't want to put down five bucks on Bo Hostler at 350 to one and watch him come like five spots out of last place? <laughs> I mean, tell me how you'd rather spend time. See, well, not to get too sidetracked, but I'd rather have him lose by a million than than miss like the miss the miss the number by one, and you're sweating it for four days. No, you say that, but the sweat (laughs) is the fun. That's where all the fun is. There wasn't much sweat watching him. He was in dead last. I started sweating the Ben Martin top forty yesterday when I saw his number going in the wrong direction. So I am on I am on quite a few outrights this week. Uh we've mentioned we haven't mentioned him in a week or two. Um I'm not sure what's happening, but Billy Horschel uh is still here. He he is he's still playing some decent golf. Uh, I have him at uh one sixty to one to outright. Uh the one sixty? Old- yes. Where'd you get that? Um on FanDuel. Wow, yeah. I mean I guess that might be no, that's no, it's is this plus six? Are you lying plus to the six, listening? Our loyal listening audience. Out I, I there hope not. Here. Plus sixteen thousand. That's one sixty, isn't? It? Yeah, that's one sixty. That's plus. That's one sixty to one. I, I can. I'm looking at the ticket right now. It's one sixty to one. Yeah, that's a really good number because I I think I have it at like one ten or something. Well, I figured I should probably ease up on all my hundred pluses since yeah. I, I hope you're not following me too closely, but I love to bet the outrights. Those are such small sums, but I, I figure I ought to tone it down on those. And like, but like John Catlin's three hundred fifty to one, so I'm, I'm not going to go through the week without betting that. I am on John Catlin, uh, based off what we talked about last week and a little bit. I watched him play in the Australian Open. Uh, we will see. I can't imagine that will pan out in any any favor of ours, but we will see. No, he's probably going to miss a cut. No, by five at least. Uh, Keegan, I am also on Keegan Bradley. The only, just the only one that I'm seeing from the 2012 leaderboard that I, I do like just because you did mention it. He drives the ball very well. So I don't see him particularly getting in a ton of trouble off the tee. We will, we'll see what, what happens from, from fairway to green. Uh, but I have him at 80 to one. Uh, I do like that number. Um, you mentioned John Catlin. Uh, I am on him at, uh, you got him at 350. I got him at 340. So we'll, I don't think he'll make a difference. Uh, South Carolina boy, uh, you played him last week, two weeks ago. He missed the cut by a thousand. Harold Varner, I don't know why I have this pick. This, oh, this is this is one of the ones that like don't don't back this, please. Uh, He's wild off the tee, dude. I just I saw this name. It was just one of the ones that like, like it had a little feeling and like a little shiver up my neck or something that I had to I had to take him. So I. Don't don't necessarily love that. I did, I did also uh, finish the position on Keegan Bradley. Uh, he's plus one twenty five to top forty right now. I, I love that number. Um, and then my where'd bo- you get that? Where'd you give out that book too? Because I have I'm getting numbers more like even money for him. Yeah. So this is all FanDuel as of last uh, probably last night, I believe. Um, another- FanDuel, if you're out there, you need to sponsor this podcast. Yeah, so, yeah seriously, because I do all my. All my picks are FanDuel. And uh, you don't never win, so you're just giving them money. They should give it back to you. Excuse me. 
Excuse me, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm above sixty or seventy percent in the last month. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're right. You have to add some four for fives, and you are a specialist at figuring out who's going to win the golf tournament on Sunday morning. Well, that and that's I've I've let that specialty kind of go by the wayside. I'm not sure why. Uh, my boy Jason Kokrak, who I have been on consistently for the last six weeks, seven weeks, he is plus one sixty to top forty. I really, really like that number. Um, I'm not sure if he. I don't can't imagine he played in 2012. I have no idea. I still really like plus 160 to top 40. And then a guy that I have mentioned for weeks now that I I was going to bet and I have to bet him is Victor Hovland. Um, I don't love 22 to one to outright, but I can't keep seeing his name at the top of the leaderboard come Sunday without money on his name. And and I haven't had ever, ever like rarely ever bet on him, but he's got to break through one of these times. I'm not sure if this is the week, but I do like the fact what I mentioned earlier with, with European players, um, his ball striking is absolutely phenomenal. I'm encouraged by, uh, by that number. And then, uh, one more final one that I, <clears throat> we mentioned Aussie players, Cam Smith, 42 to one to outright. Um, obviously a, can play pretty well in the wind, um, given where he grew up. Um, so if if the if the wind picks up and we like and we see that number around that eight to twelve range, I'd like to I would like to think that Cam Cam's name will be somewhere near the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, he's hard not to like. Yeah, um, and if you like him, I think I would look at. <clears throat> uh, that maybe a Leishman finishing position because there is some correlation between those two players. They don't have the same skill set. Um, and we talked about that when they played together in the Zurich because uh, Cam is much better. Cam is so good around the greats. I mean, he's just amazing. And there, his ball striking has picked up, which has given him the recent results. Um you know, I have to be totally honest. I can't, I, I know I'm missing some others that I bet early. One of the guys, I have no idea where his number is, but I could see him thriving on this golf course. And I'll probably look at finishing position is Matthew Fitzpatrick. I'm guessing he's probably in the 50 to one range. Um, I think he's really interesting. He's an elite player, even though he doesn't win a lot. Uh, he's a guy that's been on tour for a really long time. And I don't know what his world golf ranking is, but I would I would put him kind of, he's similar to, to me, to Sungjae, in that their worst golf is usually a lot better than the other guy's worst golf. Uh, so, like, when they play poorly, they don't necessarily miss the cut. And when they play well, they're almost always in that top 15, top 10 range. He's another guy that I think is going to break through for a big win at some point. And I know that I picked up an early ticket on him. I have no idea what the number was, but he's flashing really good form a couple of months ago. I think he could... I think he could find a, his way around this golf course really well, particularly if the wind gets up. And then the other two guys that I have to mention, because I've mentioned them on previous pods, I did get a read ticket at 41, I think, 
So I loved that number when I saw it. My guess is he's probably in like the mid to low 30s at this point. And I also like Hovland. Like if you like Keegan this week, you like, like I'm saying, the guys that are going to keep it in play, gain strokes with their full clubs, and you're just hoping that they get hot around the greens or have, you know, a better than average week with a putter. I think it would be poetry to see Hovland follow up Morikawa last year at the same event, and I got it at 28. So the guys that I have under 50 are Reed and Hovland. I still like them both. Um, I do worry about Hovland around the greens, but like really good gamblers say, like I had a conversation with my buddy yesterday about Justin Thomas. Like, there's a, he's hitting it better than anybody else in the world right now. And he's really struggling with the putter. He's a little wild off the tee. So I said to my buddy, do you really love him at Kiwa? Cause he's a little wild off the tee. And like he said, and this is a good thing to keep in mind, you're betting him because you think he's going to play his best, which means he's not going to be as wild off the tee and he will mitigate those, you know, those mistakes by making up for it. Uh, with his irons, you're just hoping that he's has a better than average putting week or whatever. So I think the same goes for Hovland and some of these other guys like answer. Like their flaws are what they are, but if they play to their strengths um, and play their best, they should be in contention. So I think 28 is a little short on Havlin, but it was still worth taking to me because he's not going to get himself in trouble off the tee. I do worry he is not very long, but he's good with his long clubs. So, I mean, the guy is Bernard Langer, in my opinion. Yeah. So, hard not to like him on really hard seaside courses when you have to use a lot of long irons and stuff. I mean, like, it should set up really well for him. <clears throat> completely agree. Uh, two more, two more guys that just Michigan, Michigan-based players that are uh, PGA professionals. One of twenty playing in this week's event. Uh, ben Cook from Wayland. He's out of Yankee Springs, uh, somewhere downstate. Not not familiar with the golf course, um, but then also uh, Tim Pierce from is a PGA professional at uh, Birmingham Country Club, downstate as well. Uh, if you're interested in getting them on a ticket, uh, you can have them for a thousand to one outright. So, yeah, if you think a, if you think that that you can probably do a make the cut prop, right? Yeah, I would think so. I did not uh, typically with those make the cut props, at least in FanDuel, it's not giving you all names. Yeah, uh, it's only giving you for for example for <clears throat> for me the the lowest guy that FanDuel is offering to make the cut is JT Poston. At minus oh, minus I one twenty two. I see. Yeah, yeah. It probably don't give out too many of those. I think I'm going to join you on Coke Rack. I mean, it should be it should be a perfect fit in the sense that he should be able to survive the difficulties surrounding the fairways with his consistent ball striking. He just hits it so far and straight all the time that, um, you know, I I like him for the same reasons that I like Answer. I mean, to me, they have kind of similar games. Or their their weakness is chipping and putting, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're not going to have to rely on that so much that it'll cost them 
a ton of strokes. Again, if you can keep it around par, shoot one or two under, something like that, three days in a row, you're probably going to be in contention unless it's really, really benign and it gets up into the teens, in which case I don't really, I, I find a, I find it more difficult to forecast who would win under those conditions, but I would think um, that would bring more players into the field if conditions are easier. Yeah, you, yeah, you would definitely think so. It is, it is funny um, outside of you mentioning um, Justin Thomas, we are very light on the top, the the top part of the card as far as I mean, from essentially the top ten guys until we get to Victor, we don't have an, a single outright on any of those guys. Is that did that play in, or did you think about? Were you thinking about that at all when because it's a major? Well. I mean, you know me, I don't like, I would rather get a couple more guys onto my card than have to devote more of my budget to finding, it's all about getting the math of getting your payouts to, to line up to where if you hit something, um, you're making enough to cover your week and then maybe a couple more weeks. That's obviously harder to do when you bet the top of the board. But I mentioned Rory, I just think the odds are too short. Mm -hmm. Like I like Rory. I, I see nothing wrong with Rory. If you like Rory, he's in the plus 130, 140 range to top 10. You know, like, I, I, I don't hate that. Rom, I still like, even though the form has been middling because he's so good with his driver. Like, this course should be fine for him. But 14 is too short. It's just too short. Um, JT at 14 is the first one that's kind of like, mm, is that right? Like he should maybe be a little shorter than that, but you're still having to devote a fair amount to that ticket. They just have, since gambling has become more mainstream and legal and golf is getting more attention on the gambling side, they're consolidating these odds. Maybe it's in my head. <laughs> there are more guys under 20 than I've ever seen before. And like in the case of, okay, here's DK Sportsbook. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys under 20. And we jump to 28. And the first guy over outside of 20 is um, Berger and Morikawa. So if you're looking for value, the more the value is on Colin Morikawa at 28 to 1. Now, do you think he's going to repeat the PGA? Maybe not. But he's another guy that has plus length off the tee, hits it very straight. There's no value outside of that. Hovland, apparently, we're not the only ones on him because he's all the way down to 18 on here, which is the same number as DJ. So, like, if you're looking for value in that area, I think it's – I still worry, like, is Bryson going to come out of nowhere and own this golf course with his driver because he's so long and straight and that's going to be such a tremendous advantage? Maybe. The reason I'm skittish on Bryson is because – he's not going to fare well on those 200 plus par threes. Like his iron game has really been where he's struggling. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for value, I think it's on DJ at 18 and JT at 14. Just for me, that means I can't, I, I don't, I won't have the Reed ticket. I wouldn't have the Fitzpatrick ticket. I wouldn't have the Cam Smith ticket. I wouldn't have, you know, some of the others that I didn't even mention. Like I have a Billy Horschel and I have a Bubba Watson um, that are all hundred plus. But 
that just means I have to shrink all those options. And I still think those guys have good chances here at those numbers. So I'd rather spread it out a little bit than put all my eggs in there. But yeah, if you were asking me, who do you like under 20? I would say I like uh, JT and DJ. What about you? Uh, I, I mean, kind of in the same boat. It's And the only reason I asked is because obviously it is a major champion and, and typically the, the, the pool of winners shrinks dramatically from say the Byron Nelson last week. So I, I was wondering if that, if that played a factor into when, when betting are we looking at is, should we only be looking at the top 30 names or do you expect given the course, given the, the lack of, condition like the play that's been on this type of turf conditions if that's going to allow for more people to potentially have a chance of winning or if you think it's if it's going to be a, here's 30 a list of 30 names top 30 guys one of these guys is going to win i think it depends on the weather yeah which yeah. is why i said at the beginning you kind of have to account for both in the way that you handle your your bet slip mm-hmm. is it going to get into the mid-teens in which case it's going to bring more of these guys in i think the conditions are benign enough and there's depth enough in this field and quality enough in this field that Billy Horschel is the 18th, the 18th, 19th, 20th ranked player in the world. And he's whatever you said, 160 to one to win. That's a value. So like, how is he going to win one out of 160 of these? I was not going to play 160 of these events at Kiowa, but that's kind of what you're asking yourself. And yes, do you have to grade that against the the rest of the field? Sure, it's a stronger field ahead of him than anywhere else he plays. But his best golf is still close to as good as as some of these other guys. And there's nobody at the very top who's in overwhelmingly great form. Rory just won, but he's not in good form. Rom has been hit or miss. JT has been amazing with the ball striking, but the putting is poor. The only guy who's in really, really tremendously hot form is Jordan Spee. And he's 14 to 1, which is okay. He's an elite player, whatever. I I, I mean, I don't hate that number. Like, if you were all in on Spee this week, I wouldn't fault you for it. But there's nobody to me that's like, gosh, I have to hedge against this person because I just think they have at the top of the board because I think they have such a great chance this week particularly if the weather is benign, which it looks like it's going to be, that to me is going to bring more players into the field. I won't be surprised if Jason Kokrak wins this golf tournament. I won't be surprised if Matt Wallace, if Abraham Answer win this golf tournament, because I still think they are in phenomenal form. And if they play their best and bump into a hot putter, there's only a couple guys in the field that can beat them. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It is it's tough to bet on majors because like you start scrolling and you're like Neiman sixty six to one. I just saw that name. Just saw that name and I go, hmm, that that interests me. There's so much love on Keegan. No, Have I you know. ever seen Keegan sixty six? I'm looking at DK sixty six to one to win the PGA. Are people high? I love Keegan as much as the next guy, but what are we talking about? This guy was probably. He's in the. He's not sixty-six to one to win anywhere, and just because he got did he tie for second when Rory won? I think that's why there's so much love. Oh, I had. I think it has to be. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, and he won a PGA. T third. That was like twenty years ago. Everybody. It was a while ago. It certainly was a while and ago. I am like his number one fan. 
Doesn't sound like I it. love I love Keegan. I bet on him all the time. I was looking for him in the one fifties. You were way off. Yeah. So I just think it's I just think it's there's 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 good value down the board. I mean, I saw so I saw some guys on some guy had like a two hundred and fifty to one Stewart sink, mm. which is awesome. I'd love to be sitting on that ticket right now. Like I think those guys, the guys that this course is hard enough that several of the guys at the under twenty to one will miss the cut. Mm-hmm. Let me put it that way. No, I get, no, like I get if you're 25 30 like if you're not hitting it good it doesn't matter how good you are you cannot overcome those mistakes because you, it's a half stroke or more penalty every time you miss the fairway it'd be exciting i'm 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 excited you mentioned it at the beginning of the show but this does feel i don't know what the weather like weather is like in chicago but it is 75 degrees here today so it feels like summer it's pga championship week i like it i like it a lot and just don't lose too much money. Save ninety bucks so you can go play La Sonia at same at some point. Yeah, no, definitely. And I have to give a I have to give a quick shout out to uh, Mr. Uh, Patrick Gibbons. He made a comment last week that he has listened to all eight episodes of this podcast. I'm not sure if that's against his will or if he's doing that uh, on his own. <laughs> Who knows? But we do we do appreciate the support as long as I mean we have one listener. Yeah, thanks to everybody. I've gotten some comments here and there, so I just said we'll try. You know, we'll try to keep getting better. Um, we know we need to have some guests and some things like that on at some point, so we'll just keep working into it. We're just finding our rhythm, and thanks for sticking with us. And hopefully, we cash some tickets this week. It's going to be an awesome week. This is a phenomenal golf course. It's a special week. Find some TV time, sit down, and just enjoy it. It's pretty much everything that the Byron Nelson. Not to like sit here and bash the Byron Nelson, but it's pretty much everything that the Byron Nelson wasn't <laughs> is this week. It's so, like, so you don't think you're not, uh, you're not riding cage lead 201. Uh, I am absolutely not riding cage lead 201. I think if, if he didn't want to play for a week or two, it's, he's got his, his wife looked like she was expecting here pretty soon. So I mean, good timing for him. Um, no, I, I'm, I will not be anywhere near a 200 to one ticket on Cage Lee, but he did seem so excited. That was it was a uh, I mean, obviously uh, maiden maiden win. Um, he was and just slammed the door on the field too. You know, he was like he just came out and I think he was like three hundred through four, three hundred through five, and he's like he just basically was like I'm winning this golf tournament today. Yeah, I was actually just looking at the the final leaderboard. He he beat Sam Burns. I mean, if Sam Burns would have he shot six under on Sunday, Sam Burns shot only shot two under. So for him to in that weather delay too to come out on I, I want to say they were on sixteen green during the weather delay, and then to come out in seventeen and stick it to and make a birdie on seventeen right after the weather delay was pretty impressive. He's a yeah. ball striking ball striking phenom right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, these guys hit it good. All right, well, good luck this week. Yeah, same to you.